Welcome to the Healing Herb Podcast. This is your grief expert and friend, Ashley Lemieux. This is going to be a fun episode because we are doing things a little bit differently today. I am interviewing you. Who's I'm? I am Michael Lemieux. (laughs) My husband is here with us today. He's actually going to interview me, but I had to start the podcast so that you would know. (laughs) <laughs> that, that you're it, listening to the right one. That you are listening to Healing Her and not some man's podcast <laughs> this about... This is not healing him. It is not healing him. It's, this is healing her. <laughs> so the background behind why we are going to talk about this specific topic today is because about two weeks ago, I posted a reel on Instagram that has gone a bit viral about how I was going to the doctor for something that I originally went to the doctor for when I was 14 years old and how sometimes... As a woman, it can feel like you're just not being heard. And I think that there are so many women who feel uncertain on how to advocate for themselves in a lot of areas in their life. And I wanted to talk about that today and also just give a little bit of an update on where I'm at with part of my health because as I've talked about it online so many of you are struggling with a lot of the same pain that i have been in so i thought we'd just do an update but to make it a little more juicy a little more fun and so that you wouldn't have two solo episodes from me in a row two weeks in a row we got oh here i am we'll give the update at the end or somewhere in the middle but i have some questions for you that i was thinking of as you were telling me what you wanted to talk about. Is that okay if I ask him? Yeah. Is this the first time you've ever conducted a podcast interview? No. That's true. You it's have, not. You've done you've done <laughs> podcasts for your business before. Okay, so you kind of just answered my first question. Uh, but it's how long had you felt like something was off? Okay. I feel like I kind of need to get to the backstory of this. I felt like something was off for the past since 2020 so that's been three years specifically for this problem so after almost four yeah it's been almost four years so what happened is after my first pregnancy when i got my first period and then ovulation came i have never experienced ovulation pain or pain like that at all during my cycle it was like knives it was like I couldn't You, you move. would tell me that you felt like you were being stabbed from the inside. Yeah. Um, and it was like fire ants. Eating my body. I often would have to take pain medication. If you have to take painkillers when you are ovulating, you know that something's wrong. Something's wrong. So the problem was at that time is that we were then trying to get pregnant again. And so we didn't want to explore other options because I didn't want to take away from the experience of trying to get pregnant and prolong that time. So we get pregnant. Then the second time with Annie Ray, I have her, I'm breastfeeding for a bit. And then earlier this year, we stopped breastfeeding. And then I got my period back probably about six to eight weeks after that. And that first ovulation, oh my gosh. I, I was hoping that the pain would lighten or get better or, or, go away. or just completely go away because whatever was causing it would be quote unquote fixed. 
and it has only gotten worse. And month after month, the past few months, I am laying in bed, unable to get out of bed. I'm having to take a painkiller. I'm just... Not yourself, mentally. Yeah, because I'm in so much pain. And so finally, this summer, I was like, I can't live like this anymore. So I scheduled a doctor's appointment and you know there's a wait also. And that's something too that I think is hard for a lot of people because by the time you're finally like, I'm gonna go to the doctor, you're then told, okay, well, now you have to wait several months. And then you're like, oh my gosh, how am I supposed to put up with this for that much longer? So to answer your question in a really long way, it's been almost four years, but when I first got my period when I was 14, I've always had terrible menstrual cramps. So in my mind, I wondered if the two were related because I was put on birth control right away as a lot of women my age were, just to kind of be like, oh, we don't know why you're in so much pain. Here's birth control so that you just don't have a period and don't have to worry about it anymore. But now after having gone through pregnancies, I actually don't have any menstrual cramps and so which is so bizarre for me to watch not yeah. happen and then for it to switch and and it's still happening right now right or well we think that's not to not to give What's away still happening the ovulation pain well no because i'm now starting medication well we don't know yet we don't know if it's going to happen but we think so so question number one you answered it how long do you feel like something was off it was it's been years, but also it's really been for over 20 years because there's always been something around your your cycle time. Yeah, always. Since it started. Since it started. That's a long time to deal with this. It's a really long freaking time to deal with it. So my second question was, how long did it take you to go into the doctor? You know, after Annie Ray, you said you stopped breastfeeding beginning of the year, end of last year, beginning of this year, and then... It took you, you, and then you had six to eight weeks and it started again. And so really weeks, months, it took you to go into the doctor, but years, it took yeah. you years to go. And why do we do that? Right? So this is, this is my question to you, my number okay. three, why did it take you so long to go? And I'm not saying like, what are you doing? Why didn't you go? I'm just like, I really want to know why didn't you go? I think there's a few reasons why, and I think a lot of women can relate to this. One is that when we were going through fertility treatments and all those doctor visits and then bi-weekly visits when I was pregnant to make sure that the baby was okay, and then my weekly visits for therapy when I was pregnant. You know how many times I've gone to the doctor? Yes, the I past do. several years? It is dozens. It is dozens, hundreds. It has been dozens technically is hundreds. They're the same thing. It has been so many times. And I think that I now just got to this point where I was like, it's just gonna go away. I can't deal with another thing. And can I ask you another question? Yeah, do you want me to finish that one first or no? Yeah, of course I do. Sorry, I was just excited to ask another one. <laughs> but <laughs> It wasn't on my list. It just came to me right now. <laughs> You're doing great. <laughs> I'm trying. Well, but the other thing is too, is I think that I get really caught up 
in making sure everything else is done for everybody. And then you just lose time. I There's only so much time in a day. And often some of the things that I really need, I feel like I don't have time to do. And that's my own I'm that's gonna, my own thing because I know there's time. I I know that you want me to go. I know I have support to go. So part of it too, I think, is my own procrastination. Honestly, procrastination is how I cope with things. It's my grief coping. <laughs> it's my life coping. And so I just always put things you know, off. I'm going to disagree with you politely here. I don't think you're telling the exact right answer because you do what you want. That's true. I Okay. So okay. But I do a lot of things I don't want to do. You too. do, but you really don't want to go to the doctor. And there's a reason why that a lot of people, I would say women especially from what I have learned, why they don't go. And it took you so long to go, I think, because it got so bad that you couldn't ignore it anymore. And I think that's why a lot of people go but it took you so long because I don't think that 100% of the time that you've gone, these hundreds of visits, that you have felt like you were taken seriously or that people listened to you. I remember you, you have been to providers that have taken you very seriously, which is why you have gotten results on a lot of the things that you, and answers to a lot of the things that you have gone and been seen for. But... I remember you telling me you went to a clinic once where you were explaining and within three minutes, the person said, you have chronic pain, offered to write you a prescription, and that was it. And you literally were so defeated and angry because you didn't even have time to explain everything that was going on. And I think that, and I'm not blanketing providers, I think there's great ones, but I think that your experience is common. And in the back of your mind, you're nervous that you're not going to feel, and I might be wrong, I'm just, I'm creating this reason from all the things you've told me over the years. I think that you're nervous that you're not gonna be taken serious and it takes you a lot of courage and effort to get into the doctor, to talk to them about what's going on again. Well, I also think after our first pregnancy, when I had gone septic and then had a late pregnancy loss. And then for six weeks after that, I was so ill, I could hardly move. And I kept going to different doctors. And then I was told I had postpartum depression, which I probably did. Um, and I was in grief of that time. But the only reason that we found out that I had retained placenta was because I kept going to the doctor. and. Because you felt terrible. Because I felt terrible because I felt like if I didn't go, I was actually going you to die. You thought you were going to die. But I think that that's, a, too, a lot of reasons why people don't go is because it just feels exhausting. And then they're like, how do I keep advocating for myself? And also, it's a privilege that I can pay for it. So many people, either their insurance doesn't cover it fully or... Or it's they have to wait for the insurance or, for days or weeks. Oh my weeks. gosh, there's just so many reasons. But what I learned from my last really bad experience is that I have to advocate for myself and trust my intuition. And then 
I get to find someone, a provider who comes along with me to support that journey. And I think, Mike, I have finally reached a point in my life where I'm no longer asking permission for for someone to tell me, oh, yeah, it's as bad as it feels. Let's figure it's it's out. I, I know I'm hurting. Right. I know it's bad. I'm not looking for validation anymore. I'm looking for someone who's going to come on this journey with me. And because of that, I have found some really amazing providers. And that alone, too, again, is a huge privilege. But yeah, I I also think another reason why it took me a long time to go, I truthfully, I was afraid I was going to have to have surgery. Yeah, and it's valid. I didn't well, want that. And yeah, and that's the thing. It's like, if I can get through this without surgery, that's better than having to go through surgery. That's the mentality. Because, yeah. because then, you know, you can keep going. There's not a disruption in the day-to-day. But I'm so glad that you have found providers and, and people that will care enough to walk through it with you. Not everybody, we know that not everybody is at that point right now, but how did you get to this point? Is there something that you can kind of tell people whether they're they're just starting to feel this way or they've been feeling this way for a long time? Because, you know, what is a tangible tool that somebody could walk away with from this episode today? Like, can you share with that with can, us that? Can you clarify what you mean feel this way? Yeah, like, for example, you've been talking about how you haven't necessarily been taken seriously. Yeah. Well, first of all, I want to ask you a question. I'm, I'm going to take the role of, I'm going to take my podcast my back interview. for a second. This is my interview. Just for a second. Have you ever felt, ever felt that you haven't been taken seriously at the doctor? I, I haven't had nearly as many doctor's experiences as you, but the majority of my doctor's experiences were when I was young and I I don't remember but I do know that a lot of females have told me that they don't feel this way that they're taken seriously mm-hmm. so I I can't really answer that like I, I do or don't just because I don't have the experience the recent experience but can you tell me when it's happened to you do you want to share any of those experiences or or no well yeah like the one that I just talked about Mm-hmm. And um, so then your question was, what tangible tools have I done? Yeah, like how did you get there? Because, you know, when you go and we're told, go to the doctor, he'll tell you what's wrong or she'll tell you what's wrong. And then you go and you don't feel like you were taken seriously. So yeah. so how do you get to that point? Because it's kind of but, defeating. But Yeah, but this isn't about not trusting doctors. This is about trusting yourself and learning to trust what your body is telling you. So there's a couple things that I have done. Okay. One is I need to validate for myself Mm -hmm. what my level of pain is. How do you do that? So I either write it down or I make mental notes. And here's why. Because when you walk into the doctor and they ask you certain questions and it's like, well, what's the pain scale? Or when's the last time this happened? Or, you know, sometimes it can feel really overwhelming because there's information you're trying to relay everything that you feel like is important and things can get lost in translation. It has been very helpful for me to walk in with a clear plan of exactly what I feel like is important for them 
to know. Do you write it down before you go? Yeah, in my notes app. I often write it down in my notes app so that I don't miss anything. And so that also I remind myself, okay, well, they're asking me, is it between a one and a 10? I, you know what? And I don't want to make a blanket statement, but I think women, a lot of times we're like, well, is it really that bad? Am I making it up in my head? They're probably worse than me. So, you know, maybe it's a five. It's also too, if you've been living with something, you kind of become accustomed to it. And so it gets easier as you go sometimes until it gets terrible. So I really have to be like, no, Ashley, You are at a level 10 out of 10 pain and it is important that you do not sugarcoat that and you tell the doctor what you need to tell the doctor. It's a 10. It's a 10. I also have found that when I can get referrals for a doctor, that that's been really helpful. And then in the past, when I felt like I wasn't being listened to or answers just weren't happening. Something that I have said is, okay, I understand that you have a different viewpoint of what I'm saying. Can you please write it in my chart, what I'm saying to you so that this can be documented? Good. A lot of times that helps change the conversation. Yeah, I could see that happening. And so I always ask, can you Please document this then so that if we need to circle back to this later, it's in the chart. It's there, yeah. And so that that's a couple things that I do. Something else that I do, and you know, this was interesting. I actually, so with Annie Ray, I had a high-risk OB uh, and maternal fetal medicine doctor. So it was a different OB GYN than I had with my first pregnancy. I actually went back to my first doctor, my first OBGYN for this because the surgery that he did on me after that first pregnancy uh, made me really trust him, even though it was a really hard experience. But that means I was walking into the same doctor's office that I experienced a really horrific emergency surgery in. You know, it's very triggering there. And so one of the things that I do when I go into the doctor and maybe I'm scared, I'm nervous, I have to have a mantra that I'm holding on to. I have to have something that that I'm repeating to to myself. So one that I love is that was then, this is now. So you're saying this out loud or in your brain? In my brain, in my notes app. Sometimes I even say it out loud before I walk in. But I need something to remind me that this is a new experience. Yeah, it's a totally different scenario. You're not pregnant anymore. Yeah. But you know what's interesting? I didn't Mm. tell you this. What? When I walked in, I was the only non-pregnant person there. Really? And it felt like happy to see other pregnant people and it also made me feel like how is that time period for me really over like what does that mean like like you questioned it or you were like kind of i don't know because i don't want to be pregnant again (laughs) but i also was like am i ready to really fully accept the door that that's not going to be me it was just really interesting interesting. that is interesting and then but another sweet thing that happened when i was waiting for the doctor is that annie ray's favorite song came on from moana which is so random that they would be playing moana at a doctor's office but i always try to just look for things that make me feel hugged and 
supported. And I was super nervous because I felt pretty confident that he was going to tell me I have endometriosis because we kind of had talked about it before and that the only way to get through this would be doing exploratory surgery to see what was needed next. And so that's my next tangible tool is a lot of times it's really easy to create stories in our heads before we even know what a diagnosis is or even if there's going to be a diagnosis. So in my mind, I can literally create an entire TV show around this thing that I'm going to be diagnosed with that ends up not even being something <laughs> that I it have. It didn't even make it past the pilot season. It didn't even make it past the filming of pilot season one. Which is a good thing, obviously. But, you know, after doing this so many times to yourself, do you ever just stop for a second when you're in the middle of this creation in your head and yeah, just be and like, story. wait a second. Is this actually going to happen? Maybe I should stop. Have you gotten to that point yet or do you still feel like no? No, I've gotten to that point where I can objectively remove myself and say, this is a story that you are creating and let's wait for the next thought until we have more information that we can move forward with. That, that was then, this is now? That was then, this is now. Hmm. So I don't know if you fully answered this do you think you're going to get pregnant again? That's not what this episode is I'm about. I'm just curious. Well, obviously, <laughs> you can't just like say this to me for the first time. and Yeah, I know. And everyone listening is wondering too now. I don't know. I don't know. No. I'll, you blah, don't blah, blah. know. I can't see myself being pregnant again. And I also... That was then. This is now. I also... Don't create a story. Have a hard time thinking about not being pregnant again interesting you felt that way about breastfeeding too when that journey closed yeah but then once it finally closed and i accepted it i just felt relief so that's another episode i feel like we should back to the back to this topic yeah <laughs> who's this interviewer anyway why is he going just off wants on to tangents? know if we're gonna have another baby or not <laughs> that's all i want to know that's we're gonna end this episode now and we're gonna start another episode talking about if we're having another baby so stay tuned no i'm just oh, kidding gosh um i mean you've pretty much hit all of my questions except i just i just have one more you've already given a lot of really good takeaways now I am not the type of person that just accepts when I see content on social media or all this stuff where it's just like, you've got to act now. You just have to do it now. You have to do this or that in order to achieve the thing you want. You you have to do it. Today's the day because like, I'm just like, whatever. When I scroll to the next piece of content, it, I just lose that. There's no, there's no transformation for me there. But I think that if I ask this question the right way and if you answer it truthful and with what has helped you that you're going to be able to create a change in a lot of people's hearts right now that aren't fighting and advocating for themselves to be taken seriously when they know that something is off. And that's what I want to ask you right now. What's the takeaway that you want to give people that are listening, that, that are on the fence or that just haven't done the work yet that needs to be done because either they're afraid of the answer or it's easier to just continue with the status quo like we've mentioned both those things or any other reason or or they they aren't paying attention to themselves enough because everyone else comes first like you said what's the takeaway here 
the takeaway is that you are worth feeling good. You are worth feeling good. And you need to do, and you, you can do what it takes in order to feel good. Well, and something that you said is, you know, people, especially women, feel like they're not taken seriously. And so that's a, a reason why it can be hard to go see a provider. But I also think that sometimes we don't take ourselves seriously. We don't take our own needs seriously. And that shows by how burnt out women are right now. That yeah. shows by we think that self-care is a bubble bath and a walk around the park. Which it, it could be part of it. It's not enough. But that's a, that's a very light form of self-care, right? It, it's not, we're not doing things typically in our day-to-day -day life that shows us that we take our needs seriously what about the person that has two or three jobs and they're a single parent and they literally work seven days you are an actual superhero and i'm sorry that you have to be one and again i feel like this conversation around health and wellness also can get so tricky and sometimes i see content on social media and i'm like yeah that's great if you have the resources or the time to make that happen. And if you're a single parent and you're working multiple jobs and you don't get sick days and you don't get off days, then what? That raises a very valid question. I think one path forward is that now, especially post COVID, there are telehealth appointments that maybe it's on a lunch break that you're making one. Maybe it's, you know, during a break or you're just not having to physically go in and spend time in an office, I think that that can be a really, really great starting point. And there are also different organizations, depending on your situation, that will help either get you rides to appointments if you have a lack of transportation or help pay for things. And so being able to research that, whatever is available in your community, I just want you to have the help and support that you need. Something else that I want to bring up, and this is actually so funny and embarrassing at the same time, I just went to the dentist for the first time in seven years. And I felt the so ashamed. The story honestly bothers me so much. <laughs> he hates because, that I haven't gone for that long. Well, it's not that. Like, I do think you need to go more often, obviously. But I go every six months. <laughs> and this and I'll tell you why it bothers me after you finish the story. Go ahead. So I go to the dentist and finally, after seven years, and I'm feeling ashamed. I'm creating the stories in my head that I'm just gonna have a mouthful of cavities and just one big cavity. I'm so embarrassed and I'm like, Do I tell the the dentist that I haven't been Did or you? he's just gonna figure it out? No, I told him. I was like, I would rather just be like, dude, yo, bro, I haven't been for seven years. Like, yo, bro. Yo, Bro, I actually know him. I, I grew Did up you say with yo, him. Bro? No, I didn't. Okay. I grew up with him, which is why I said bro, because <laughs> I know him. But anyways, um, I went and I was not shamed one time for not going <laughs> in seven years. They were so nice. But I also think people put off your yearly checkups and things like that because we start getting ashamed and embarrassed that we haven't been. And so then we're like, well, at this point, it's just easier if I don't go. Yeah. But it a good caring provider is not going to shame you. The best day to go is now. 
Okay, so how many cavities did you have? I had zero cavities, And that's, that is why it's so annoying because I floss <laughs> every day. You have very good I brush oral my, hygiene. I brush my teeth twice a day. I have had two cavities in the past year. I don't understand. Anyways. I'm sorry. It's not. I wish I could say it was genetics, but I think cavities run in my family too. They, I'm really proud of you <laughs> first for several things. And then to wrap this up, since this is my interview, I get the final thought. I'm really proud of you for going to the dentist. Thank you. I'm proud of you for the work that you have done to advocate for yourself. Because I know that that is hard. It is hard for me to do that too. Not because I don't feel like I'll be taken as a joke or not taken seriously. You asked me about my health. I haven't had to do that, thankfully. Go to a lot of doctors. But it's got me thinking, you should be getting yearly physicals now that you're 38. Yeah, soon. I think 40 is when they start. But I've had blood work done and I, I do I do take care of my stuff that way and check up. But there's other things that I think for men, mental health is very yeah taboo. And I don't want to open the, the can of worms here, but I think that that could be another episode where we talk about how to, how to support, because most of your audience is female listening here, right? How do we support if there's a, a male you know, in our life, how do we support them and their mental health? Because you've supported me a lot. Well, I think that's a good point because we've talked a lot about physical health this episode, but the same is true for mental health. Right. And, you know, when we're sick, we go to the doctor to get treatment and no one blinks an eye about it. But then when we are mentally ill, when we have a mental illness, when we're not feeling right, why is there so much shame that we carry? Why is there is so much taboo? Is it because it's not as understood? It's definitely not as understood. And I think past history and past story surrounding it and lack of understanding has created misconceptions and perceptions that aren't true or real. That don't need to be there. Mm -mm. And they wouldn't be if we understood it more and, and were more accepting of it. It's just like, it's like physically you don't go off and say all these things, right? Right. So that's an, another episode for another time. But I will say because people on Instagram also wanted to know to just wrap up my doctor appointment, we decided that I probably don't have endometriosis since my periods aren't hurting and it's now just ovulation and we don't want to mess with surgery. And I know people are going to have different opinions on this. So I'm not saying that this is right for you. And I'm saying this is what I chose because I'm trusting my intuition. I was actually put on a birth control. I can't remember what it's called. And I don't love being on birth control because it makes me feel funky. It doesn't make me feel the same person. So I was put on one that breastfeeding women take. It's progesterone only. It's a really low dose. And so now we're going to see if that can help stop my cycles my period so then stop ovulation and help the pain and so i guess hopefully TBD, it does hopefully TBD. it does hopefully it does too because i go to new york this weekend for a really big work thing oh boy and it's my ovulation time and so if it doesn't work i am in sos red alert we're gonna have a situation on our hands <laughs> i laugh about it right now so i don't cry 
Anyways. I I hope it works because this is a really important trip for you and I don't want you to have to be in pain. Me neither. But also, why is there such a lack of research surrounding women's health? That's another problem is that there should be more answers than there are. But so much of women's health does not have the research that it needs. And that's, again, a different conversation. But... I hope that this episode helped you feel a little bit more empowered to take yourself seriously so that you can go then advocate for your needs because you are worth feeling good. Yes, you are. Anything else you want to say, host Mike, to wrap this party up? Thank you for joining me today on Healing Her. Let's all go heal. (laughs) We'll see you next week. And until then... (laughs) Take good care of yourself. I'm so honored you joined us for this episode of the Healing Her podcast, where healing isn't just a destination. It's an empowering, transformative adventure. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss brand new episodes each Tuesday. And if you're ready for more tangible tools, make sure you grab my best-selling book, I Am Here, wherever books are sold or in the link in the show notes below. Take good care of yourself until I see you again next week. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.